two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader, includes but is not led to who talk of Star Wars, not Reagan's. We can't truly prepare for the joke that follows this song, but hey, we give it a try. So here's the Knights of Vader. Crystal Fox reports they are divided. For equal sequel, hate and love they fight I know that we are just musicians hired. Their time is up, so here's the Knights of Vader. Most impressive. A big thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our new theme song. It is September 13th, 2018, and we're talking Mall. Past, present, and future. My name is Zach Weber, and tonight I'm joined by Mark. Hello, everyone. No Zanger, no Jim. It's the Mark and Zach show today. Now, on this episode of Knights of Vader... We are in a we are in the Star Wars drought. There is really no new Star Wars news. There's some rumors out there that really aren't that interesting. There's some like uh, Star Wars video game stuff. But we figured let's focus on everybody's pointy-headed villain from the Phantom Menace. In the last few weeks, uh, basically ever since Solo came out, and I guess uh, spoilers for Solo, a Star Wars story. If you haven't seen that movie yet, and if you're listening to this, I'm guessing that's most of you. Maul's cameo at the very end, obviously that was a thing that kind of just was in there, and once it was released, it was a talking point for a few days, a few weeks, and then it more or less just kind of dropped off the map. Really, there wasn't that much talk, unless you found like uh, a version of it on like Reddit that someone filmed with like a camera hidden in their coat or their jacket. You really, there wasn't that much like stuff from Maul's appearance in Solo. But in the last few days, it seems like Lucasfilm is pushing the Maul thing really hard. I know they released a few production stills of Maul, where Ray Park was apparently completely in the guise. Obviously, the digital legs are digital, or added in after the fact. But it seems like there is some sort of push, and today we are going to try to figure out what Maul's role in Star Wars is going forward. But obviously, you can't look forward without obviously knowing your past and your history of the character. So I did a little bit of research, mostly in part to Star Wars Explains video on uh, the the history of Maul, which I'll link to in the show notes. He gave a fantastic brief, albeit comprehensive, history of the character. And here we go. Darth Maul was born on Dathomir to the Knight Sisters and their mother, Mother Talzin. Before his first birthday, he received decorative tattoos on his face and body that were worn by all Knight Brothers. So essentially, um, Maul's physical appearance, not really unique to him, maybe outside of his red shade of his skin tone. His mother was, oh, by the way, this is all canon. This is not Legends. His mother was allied with Darth Sidious, who promised to teach her in the ways of the Sith. But Palpatine saw potential in Maul and took him as his Sith apprentice instead of Mother Talzin. When he was old enough, Maul was taken to Malachor, which we all know from the, fina- the season two finale of Rebels, which was the site of a massive battle, or an ancient massive battle between the Jedi and the Sith. While there, Sidious forced Maul to breathe the ashes of Sith warriors, which, tra- which, which is, uh, I think it's in one of the comics this all happened. Uh, whereas when he inhaled all the ashes of these uh, slain Sith warriors, it triggered like a super duper like vision of the battle for Maul. And this all happened while Maul was like a young boy. And while he was experiencing this, he felt every single like stab and slash that the his Sith ancestors experienced during this battle, which instilled in him like an insatiable desire for like revenge and contempt and hatred for the Jedi Order. But at the same time Sidious was like Sidious didn't want Maul kind of like exacting his revenge he was very cal- as we all know Sidious Palpatine was very calculating when it came to his plans of destroying the Jedi Order so he forbade Maul from attacking any Jedi but anyway though Maul disobeying his master which is obviously going to be a theme with Maul and Palpatine Sidious throughout all Star Wars couldn't kind of restrain himself so Maul caught wind that there was a captured Jedi Padawan that was being sold into slavery and he enlisted the help of Aura Singh, Cad Bane, and a few other bounty hunters. 
and they infiltrated this like slave auction so Maul could like kidnap the Jedi Padawan and have like like uh, a duel with them and see if he was able to sit to really be able to defeat a Jedi and just show whether he was test his abilities. With the help of these bounty hunters, they were able to capture this Padawan, which was a Twi'lek named Eldra Cadis. Cadis, Cadis, who knows what these Star Wars pronunciations. But the other criminal organizations at the auction hunted down Maul and his uh, his bounty hunter compatriots uh, as thieves, um, trying to get back their, um, their, their Jedi Padawan prize, which again ties into the fact that Maul, even at a very early age, had a very... I don't want to say deep, but had a connection with the bounty hunters and the crimes of the kids of Star Wars. Um, but anyway, though, Maul and the Twi'lek Jedi Padawan Eldra had to work together in order to defeat the crimes of the kids that were trying to hunt them. Once they defeated all these people, they did have their duel. They faced off in single combat, and Maul successfully killed this Jedi, and it was his first kill of any Jedi in Star Wars canon. Sidious uh, found out, obviously, because there's no hiding anything from Darth Sidious, and he wasn't really even disappointed in Maul. He was just happy that Maul had like this insane anger and frustration pointed toward the Jedi. Not long after that, Maul was finally allowed to reveal himself to the Jedi, i.e. the events of the Phantom Menace, which I don't think anybody needs uh, repeating. Obviously, Darth Maul kills Qui-Gon Jinn, and then Obi-Wan slices him in half. But obviously the million dollar question, which everybody was surprised with the Star Wars, the Clone Wars was, how did Maul survive this? And essentially using the dark side of the force, Maul focused his hate and rage into a, into like, oh God, into a way of just able to survive. Even though there was only half of him still around. Maul was dumped on the junkyard world of Lotho Minor, where he had his legs replaced and he was given like really cool spider legs. If you have not watched Star Wars, the Clone Wars, please go back and watch it because it is some great visual imagery. For 12 years, uh, Maul barely survived and was driven insane with thoughts of rage, revenge, and despair. It wasn't until Mother Talzin discovered that Maul was still alive and sent his brother, Savage Opress, to find him. Savage recovered Maul and took him to Mother Talzin, with the, and with the help of magic, was able to um, rehabilitate, uh, rehabilitate Maul's mind and give him some really cool-looking robot legs, which would change again later on in the series. With Maul's mind restored, he went and tried recruiting different crime syndicates, the Black Sun, the Pikes, the Mandalorian Death Watch to form his own like crime syndicate called the Shadow Collective, which is different from Crimson Dawn, which was obviously highlighted in Solo, A Star Wars Story. The Shadow Collective was able to take control of Mandalore, imprisoned Duchess Satine, who was obviously Obi-Wan's like low-key girlfriend. When Obi-Wan came <laughs> to sit there, see her, Maul killed her right in front of him. And because of all that, Obi-Wan reported back to the Republic and the Jedi saying, well, obviously Mandalore was lost to this whole thing Maul was doing. And because of this, Darth Sidious came to Mandalore believing that Maul was now a rival and a threat to his own um, power and plans to gain control over the galaxy. Uh, Darth Sidious engaged both Maul and Savage Opress in a duel, killing Maul's brother Savage in the duel and capturing Maul during all this. Maul was brought to the a planet called Stygian Prime, but while he was there, this is this is the Son of Dathomir comic arc, I know this, where members of Death Watch that were still loyal to Maul rescued him. And you, if anybody has not read the Son of Dathomir comics, oh boy, they are bonkers. There are some great moments in that. Um, you get to see yep. him possessed. Yeah, Mark, Mark can attest to that. That comic is great. There's some really gonzo things in there. You get to see like uh, you get to see like Grievous and Palpatine duel like a possessed Count Dooku and Darth Maul. It's it's great. Anyway, though, Maul's able to escape from Palpatine's grasp. He goes back to Mandalore and tries to like recapture the planet. Except that a bunch of Mandalor there's like a, a Mandalorian rebellion that's being headed by Bo-Katan, Duchess Satine's sister, and members of the 501st Legion, which are being led by Ahsoka Tano. This is the whole thing with uh, Clone War saved, where obviously Obi-Wan and Anakin are going to be on Mandalore, and they get pulled away. And during the the conflict of Order 66, um, Maul was able. To, Maul was defeated during the siege of Mandalore, or during that whole arc. But because of Order 66, he was able to escape. And this is the fun part for Maul, because we all kind of thought Maul kind of retreated into the darkness for most of the Galactic Civil War. But as Solo showed us, 
Maul started a whole new crime syndicate all over again. You can't keep a good Sith down. Or, wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait a second, though. Um, I want to come back to that Son of Dathomir comic. And, yes. Um, the, and the other thing, I think it's also important to know that the whole Siege of Mandalore talk, that's really not, you're not going to find that in any form of media right now as, as a uh, story thing that's been depicted. Um, it's just something that's been discussed, like, at, like, uh, you know, at Star Wars Celebration and whatnot. Um, not, it's, there's no official canon work for that yet. Yet. We'll have to see when the new if the new Clone Wars uh, episodes are coming out. We'll have it. And the other thing about the the, the comic book uh, at the end, uh, it does show that spoiler alert: uh, Darth Sidious kills uh, Mother Talzin. Yeah, I forgot so, to mention that. Yeah, Mother Talzin's dead. Right though. Right yep. Dead. Yeah, and then I think uh, what happened was that uh, Darth Maul escapes from that scene of when you know of where. Mother Talzin gets killed by Sidious. I just wanted to point that out. Sure. Uh, no, that's a good point you brought up. Because also in that comic, uh, all the Black Sun and the Pikes walk away from all. They basically just kind of leave them to his own device because they realize, like, what what are we doing here? This is a waste of our, our resources and our time. They basically just kind of... They, they walk away from him. But no, like, going back to what Mark was saying real quick with the, the Siege of Mandalore, even though we don't have it in, like, visual form... They have laid out, like, what the events of that, like, story arc will be. I don't think there's going to be any, like, uh, plot twist. I I think we know what's going to happen. Like, maybe not specifics, but, like, in broad strokes, we definitely know what's going to happen during that arc. Would you agree, Mark? Or do you think there'll still be some things to uncover? There'll probably be a few things to uncover, but by and large, I think uh, the general beat of it has already been... Is gonna be, you know, there. Is that well? Is there? And if we ever do get episodes that do cover that arc, um, I believe that we'll be seeing that as well of which of the of these general beats. Before you go on, uh, I wanted you to go back and like you know how you were telling the story about the about Darth Maul uh, when he was young. You know, he partnered with a Jedi, and then he ended up killing that Jedi. Um, where, 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 where's that cited on again? Um, I'm pretty sure that was, uh, I think that was like a one, that was a, that was a, a specific series. Yeah, in 2017, there was a Darth Maul comic series. I think it ran five issues. Oh, okay. I'm trying to find out right now who the author of it was. I'm trying to find if I can find, I can probably link to like a collection of it. It's published, uh, you can, you obviously they have the collections where it's like all the issues. Um, yeah, it was, it was called Star Wars Darth Maul um, by Cullen Bunn and Luke Ross. came out in September of 2017, and that's where you have the whole story where Maul and the... It, it, it's before The Phantom Menace. It all takes place before The Phantom Menace. It's one of the very few canon stories that takes place before the Trade Federation blockade of Naboo. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, I haven't read that comic. I, maybe I should. Um... I, I, Come on, I, Mark. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get that prequel era content. I know. I should. Um, that prequel content is few and far in between these days. We gotta appreciate every little morsel we get. And then there's also the uh, there was like a uh, a Padme book that's coming out as well. I believe. Yeah, I think that's like what next year. I may be interested in that, and you know, but I should. Well, plus should. there's also the the Master and Apprentice book, the Qui Gon Obi Wan book. Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan book? Is yeah, that already out? Apprentice. Is that out yet, or is that... No, that's next year. That's, I think it's, like, next April. Oh. Better keep these two in mind. I know, right? You gotta save up those, uh, those dollars. Right. That, that sweet book money. But anyway, though, back to the history of Maul. Uh, now we're kind of, like, in the weird time frame where it's, like, what, what, what was he doing during the Galactic Civil War? We know by the events of... So- considering that Solo takes place... Like what? Six, six or eight years before the events of Rebels. Uh, I guess it's, I guess it's six years. So yeah, it's around six years before the events of Rebels. And that Maul already has that Inquisitor lightsaber. Which now that I've seen that, those, like, I hope everybody's seen those production photos of Maul. That lightsaber doesn't look as much now like an Inquisitor lightsaber. It look, it, I don't know. It, it looks weird, but it doesn't unless Maul like because it's, it's definitely the same lightsaber that he has in Rebels. But it doesn't look like an Inquisitor one the closer you examine it. 
I don't know. That's that. Maybe that's just me. I'm not sure. But clearly, Maul Maul was, for the sake of argument, let's just assume that it was an Inquisitor lightsaber. That means he was attacked by an Inquisitor and obviously killed the Inquisitor before the events of Solo. So that means the Inquisitor program was was instituted very early on in the uh, Galactic Empire. Um, and that's obviously a very large chunk of the Maul story, which has a, a big question mark on it. But then move, moving on to um, the events of Rebels, about three years before the Battle of Yavin, Maul was stranded on Malachor, or he decided to, or we don't know if he was stranded, it's just he was there, and it seems like that he's a little, I don't know, like uh, lost, and he's seeking a Sith holocron at the Sith Temple. The eighth brother tracked him down to Malachor, and as fate would have it, Ahsoka Tano, Kanan Jarrus, and Ezra Bridger eventually arrived there as well. Bring with them the fifth brother and the seventh sister. Maul helped the Jedi defeat the Inquisitors, but also blinded Kanan in the process, hoping to begin training Ezra as his own Padawan or apprentice in the dark side. Maul, though, was yet forced to escape empty-handed in one of the Inquisitors' TIE Fighters, while Ezra recovered the Sith Holocron. Six months later, Maul stole Kanan's Jedi Holocron, kidnapped the crew of the Ghost, and held them hostage at one of his old Shadow Collective bases until Ezra brought the Sith Holocron to him. An interesting part about that is that um, I know Star Wars Explained is speculating. Obviously, this video was made before Solo, a Star Wars story, came out. He says that when he kidnaps the Ghost crew, that it's a Shadow Collective base. There's a, also a very real possibility that it could have been a Crimson Dawn base. We don't know for certain. I think it's weird they went with Shadow that they did not go with Shadow Collective. I, I, I still would imagine most people sitting down for Solo wouldn't have picked up on the Rebel, uh, the Star Wars, the Clone Wars reference. But I don't know. That's a, I guess that's a tweet his own a matter of preference. Anyway, together Ezra and Maul joined the two holocrons, the one Sith, the one Jedi, and Maul received a vision of Obi Wan Kenobi, confirming to him that he survived Order sixty six. Maul escaped the whole events of this, but had to enlist the help of Ezra later on as to learn where Obi-Wan Kenobi was hiding specifically on Tatooine. There's a great clip from Star Wars Rebels where Maul just yells, Kenobi. Kenobi! Some fantastic voice acting from Sam Witwer. Maul eventually finds Obi-Wan and confronts him one last time. Maul attempted to kill Obi-Wan the same way he killed Qui-Gon Jinn. Obi-Wan Kenobi countered and quickly struck down the former Sith Lord, and Maul died in the arms of the man he sought to kill for pretty much his entire life. And that more or less concludes the history of Maul as we know it as of September 2018. So with that being said, Mark, all like we already kind of prefaced this whole Maul history with, there's clearly a push of getting Maul out into the fandom. Between these production photos, uh, Ray Park was on the Star Wars show. There's a behind-the-scenes something-something on the Solo Blu-ray home video release. They're clearly trying to gauge what fan reception to Maul is, or I guess current fan interest is in him. So do you think that's true? Is Lucasfilm trying to gauge something? And if so, would you like to see more Maul in Star Wars canon? Um, I think they are. I mean, obviously, you know, that, that scene at the end of Solo really took a lot of fans by surprise. I mean, heck, it took me you know, by surprise. And, you know, I think what they want to do is that they'll probably want to, uh, they want to see if, you know, if there's enough interest for a Solo 2 or a sequel to Solo in general, you know, that goes more into the uh, the Crimson Dawn stuff. May not even be a sequel to Solo. It could just be something that's centered around Crimson Dawn. Who knows? I mean, but I think they are. On one hand, it does feel kind of coincidental of what they're doing, you know. But on the other hand, you know, you know, there's that old saying that nothing happens by accident. And um, so who knows? Let's put it this way. They're not pushing a bunch of Boba Fett stuff right now, but they are kind of pushing this here. So there's that, you know. That's a really good point you bring up. You think about it, Boba Fett, again, is one of those characters that's just so ingrained in like pop culture beyond just Star Wars. Yet we don't like we don't have any we real I know I've mentioned it before on here, but we have nothing about Boba Fett. Like he is like in a black hole right now when it comes to 
like appearances. I think it's it's my understanding that many of the many of the actors that were in solo um, have contracts that say that allow them to be on a on a second Star Wars episode. But I could be wrong on this. Well, yeah, I think Alden uh, Ehrenreich was signed to like a three picture deal. That's one thing that gives it away. I'm I'm not too sure about. Um, Forget the actress's name, the one that played Kira. Amelia Clark, the greatest Am- actress of our time. Right, Amelia Clark. I think I, I, I I'm not sure she has a multi picture deal as well, contract as well. Some of these people actually you know, even you know, it's funny, even going back to uh, Rogue One, some of the actors that have a multi picture um, deal, you know. Basically it's just a you know, a deal that says that uh, you know, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to make more than one Star Wars film, um, you know, of the one that they're already going to be in, but that it's possible that they can be in, that, they're gonna, that they could decide to make more, and they want those characters, and these actors have to abide by that contract, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, so it's that kind of thing here with, with, a, with the solo uh, actors as well. Would you, well, okay, I, I wonder, though, but considering that, like, obviously everything now trends in the direction of uh, television or streaming services, like, would you be interested in, like, a mall Game of Thrones? Like, like I, don't, I, I never watched Game of Thrones, so I don't mean it, like, specifically, like, medieval, but, like, if we got, like, a mall TV show that was, like, for, like, more mature audiences, like, not incest or anything or anything, like, really, like, <laughs> deranged like that. But like, would you be interested in something like that? I would. Is it going to happen? Probably not. Not 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 a matured theme, you know, show, you know, in the in the Star Wars universe. I don't think that would happen. But I would be interested in. Well, because I was thinking about those. Like, I, I know a couple weeks ago we we brought up the question. It was like, what would what would Disney do? Like, let's just say, for example, that like. Uh, episode nine just like barely like let's say it makes rogue one money so it just barely gets to like a billion dollars let's just say like like all the people who like all the not must star wars people are correct and there is diminished returns for these films um obviously disney's not just gonna sit there to say oh well we tried bye bye star wars and what would happen if that they just took it off of they took star wars off the big screen and they made it like I don't want to say exclusively a small screen venture, but what if they like? Let's say we got another solo film, like like you said, like they all the actors are signed, um, and what if they made instead of a solo movie like Solo Two, Solo Harder, we got like a TV, we got like a ten episode series where it's just like Han Solo and Chewbacca doing stuff, and Maul is the big bad of like the entire season. Yeah, I can see that happening. They would have. I think the uh, the actors would have to sign a, you know, renegotiate a contract if that were the case. Because you know, if this is all assuming that the contract literally says films only, but um, you know, they they could make it work. I mean, I would not be opposed to that idea at all. And and, and you know, it, it comes back to the whole talk of like you know, the whole Disney wanting to do it, you know, planning to do its own streaming service and. You know, we're still here all speculating, you know, what Star Wars contact there would be on that, what new Star Wars contact there would be on that. Uh, I know that stuff with uh, John Favreau uh, that, you know, he's involved with, uh, but we don't really know anything as, as far as, like, exactly what story he's going to be, you know, telling. But, yeah, I, I, I could kind of see that. Like, what they do with, the, with some of the Marvel properties, like um, Daredevil and... Jessica, whatever her last name is, um, Jones. Jessica Jones and uh, and uh, Iron Fist and Luke Cage and you know they could do something like that. Um, how mature it would be, I don't. I'm not betting that it's going to be mature like those shows will be, uh, but they will. But they can probably get a little bit more, you know, aged up themes in there. I would want to see. Like I, I again, I think animation. I, I think the, as time goes on, we're gonna get a lot more Star Wars animation because I think Star Wars just works better as an animation because it's it doesn't. Oh God, it doesn't force the creatives to um, harness or rein in their 
their vision, yet at the same time, it's very cost effective. Like, like look at Solo. Right. Solo, Solo. Like again, when that when that got approved, probably got approved for like a hundred and seventy five million dollar budget, and when all the nonsense happened with uh, Lord Miller, um, it, it causes it to balloon. With animation, obviously, you're dealing with like like a fraction of that. If anything goes wrong, because animation is something that, like, like you can't just improvise with animation. Because how animation is done, usually it begins with voice acting. Or, I'm sorry, it begins with, obviously, uh, uh, developing the story, and then writing a script. And then you, you write, then you have the, the voice actors, or the actors come in, read the voices, then you do the animation. So there's no, like, like Lauren Miller asking Alden Ehrenreich to improvise on the set, and Lawrence Kazan getting mad because his script isn't being followed to the tape. I remember when I read that stupid last shot uh, solo book, the parts of young Han Solo were the best parts of that book. And unfortunately they were the, they were few and far in between. Like I would be, I think I'd be just as happy with a animated young Han Solo series. Uh, it could be possible. I mean, after all they did the young Indiana Jones show, you know, back in the nineties. What I would I'd say that, that of all Aaron Reich, I would love a young uh, like the adventures of young Han Solo. I would love a series like that, live, right. with all Aaron Reich, all uh, Aaron Reich live action. Right, and like um, you know, now that you mention it, that you know that they could, it's, it's a possibility that if they do a new show like that, it could be animated because people think Star Wars live action, they think movie quality, they they think you know high standard movie quality, and. You know, from what I read, the people involved in media, they want Star Wars, uh, live-action Star Wars TV show, they want it to feel the same way that the, the films make them feel, you know? They want it to have that, that movie quality as well. And it's, it's very hard to pull off on a TV show unless you decide to, you know, really put in a lot of money and really have a high budget, you know? If you're literally making doing Game of Thrones, where it costs you know millions and millions of dollars to make an episode, yeah, they they can do it, but it's going to be millions and millions of, of dollars for the episode. Um, yeah, I mean Disney does print out money like pancakes, you know, but at the same time they they also are smart about how they spend it. So yeah, and you have to again, you're absolutely right. Because like I know the rumored budget on the John Favreau series, like we discussed, like somewhere in the ballpark of like a hundred million dollars, and maybe even north of that. And at least I guess like if they get like I don't know ten, twelve episodes out of it, or maybe eight to twelve episodes out of it, they're at least getting a little bit more bang for their buck as opposed to three hundred million dollars for two hours. There's definitely more value there in doing a TV show, but it's it's you're right. There's a standard there that has to be upheld. Yet at the same time, though. I wonder, like, how are they good? Like, okay, because even though, like, the, the defenders, like you Ray said, the Daredevil, Luke Cage, are popular, they don't hold a candle to Captain America: Civil War or Black Panther or Thor: Ragnarok or obviously Infinity War. And right. So, yeah. So you have to wonder, like, how do you, like, even though those shows are successful, how do you balance that? Where, how do you, because people look at the MCU and like very clearly tier one is the movies and then tier two is the Netflix shows and then tier three is like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and you don't want that happening to Star Wars because with Star, even though um, the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Daredevil and the MCU films are supposedly all in the same universe. You can tell that the the latter two wrongs are clearly um, they've been pushed at arm's length away from the films. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't watch the the, the TV shows, um, but um, yeah, I could tell yeah that that has has been the case. Um, and then with this whole thing with the uh, Inhumans, well, then you know, it makes it even further away. But anyhow, um, that's tier that's that's tier Z. <laughs> That's as far away as humanly possible from everything. I, I haven't seen the show, so I can't judge it. You know, I haven't seen it, so I can't judge it. But um, the point is, you know, I'm, I, when I, I think more, I'm thinking more of the quality aspect. Like, okay, you're saying that you know the defenders, uh, the defenders characters. You watch their shows; they're they're pretty well received. But when you watch them, you're still watching a TV. You know, you're watching a TV show. 
you can't really think you, you can't really pretend that you're watching a movie uh, when you're watching Jessica Jones because the the quality of it, of it just doesn't resonate. You know, doesn't scream movie. It screams TV show. It may scream high quality TV show, but it, it still screams TV show. People involved in making you know Star Wars content, they they want to do a TV show. They want to make it so that you know it screams movie. You know, to the audience, to to a, a watcher. You know, a TV watcher. And uh, but it's it's hard. You know, it's hard. It, it comes back to the thing about how Star Wars is Star Wars and Marvel is Marvel. You know, with Marvel you can get away with things like that, but with Star Wars it's not so much. Although, you know, who knows? Attitudes well, do change. And, well, I, have you know, we can... well, I, have, I have a question for you. Um, what model do you think they're following for this John Favreau series? Do you think they're following the, the Netflix uh, Daredevil show? Or are they following the HBO Game of Thrones model? Clearly, I mean, Game of Thrones is infinitely more successful than the Netflix shows. Right, but... Um... See, think about Game of Thrones. Uh, you know that comes out on a, t- on a network that people actually have to pay a separate premium for. Well, <sighs> like what Netflix is like what ten dollars a month, and HBO is like what fifteen. So it's not that much of a discrepancy. No, but the business models are different in, in, in such a way that a show, you know, an HBO show, the actors are getting get more. The ones in the Netflix. Netflix does have a lot of content now than you know before and I don't know, the models are just different. But uh, as far as the whole John Fabrel thing, like what what's been confirmed about it so far? Like has it been confirmed that it's going to be on that uh, Disney streaming service or Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely the Disney streaming service. Okay, in that case, more than likely they're going to go for the uh, Netflix type of model, you know, where they produce when they, you know, they they uh, make the episodes and then they come out like once, you know, one a week or something like that. I think that's how Game of Thrones does it, right? When you know, one one a week. Well, okay. when, the new, well, when the new season well, starts, it's one a week. One. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because because HBO is still uh, traditional television, right? Even though so. obviously there's like HBO Go. Uh, but yeah, no, that's an interesting point you bring up because there is the because yes, they're very clearly going to do the um thing where they release all the probably the the entire season at once right that's how they do it now with netflix shows right that's, um, yeah that, that's what i mean so the problem because we're uh, game of thrones doesn't do that game of thrones is weekly right so if they're gonna put it on that disney streaming service more than likely they will do the netflix model where they release all the episodes all at once you know so people can like sit down and do that you know the whole Netflix and chill thing. You know, although this time it's going to be called Disney streaming and chill, or whatever the name of it's going to be. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> right. But anyways, that's the idea about it. You know, you 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 can you can binge watch it. That's that's a, that's the reason why why Netflix does it like that. You know, it lends itself to binge watching. Um, you can't do that with Game of Thrones because you gotta. You know, I mean, yeah, you can binge watch. You know, previous episodes and. You know, previous seasons and stuff. I mean, you can do that, but you can't do it. You know, as it just came out. You know, right out of the oven, so to speak. Um, so, it, yeah. So, I think there's something that, that there's something that happens as far as like, you know, when it comes to budget and and how the you know how well the actors are paid. You know, there there, there is something. Uh, there, there is a difference when um you know when you have the whole entire episodes coming out all at once. Versus, uh, you know, one a week and stuff. Um, you know, the, that does affect like the actors' budget. The actors, uh, you know, pay and the budget of the show as well. I mean, even though you know all the Game of Thrones episodes are already, you know, taped already from the get go and then just release one by one. But, um, anyway, yeah, I, I just think they're gonna they're gonna go on that Disney streaming service. They're gonna put it. They're gonna, yeah, you know, it's gonna be available all at once. I could be wrong though. I could be wrong. Well, um, I'm well. I'm thinking of too. What they? I know this is kind of like a new thing now with all these streaming services, but they could probably. I'm thinking they might do something, considering that this is going to be a flagship program for the Disney streaming service when it launches. They could do something kind of like what CBS All Access did with Star Trek Discovery, where they might air the pilot of the live action show on like Disney Channel or ABC. 
and then be like, oh, if you want to see more, you have to sign up for the service. Yeah, they'll probably do something like that. I, I would I would see that. I mean... And then they might do, like, I think they did it with Star Trek Discovery, but I'm not certain. But I know they definitely did it with um, Amazon's The Tech, where they only released half the season, and they made everybody wait, like, six more months, and then they released the latter half of the season. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I, haven't, even, I haven't really watched Amazon stuff. Well, um, neither do I. I, I don't have, for the record, I don't have any of these streaming services. I am an old man. I am a grandpa. I am a dinosaur. I still have a cable box. I, I, I have my little cable box, and I sit there and watch stuff that way. I hate Netflix. Um, I, I, all you streaming services can go to hell for all I care. You're, you're the death of, of, of media. Um, everybody treats uh, media now like a quarter pounder with cheese. They just eat it, and then that's, and they just digest it and move on to the next thing. Um, I thought you had but Netflix. that's a topic for another day. <laughs> no, I hate Netflix. Oh God, I have a seething. No, the story. The reason why I hate Netflix so much is like I signed up for like a trial in like 2009, and like it's like oh free 30 day trial, and I signed up and I canceled on like the 29th day, and they're like oh we have to bill you like like 30 dollars, and it's like what? They're like I, I signed up for a 30 day trial. They're like no, when you signed up, you had to click. It was technically it's only a 14 day trial. And if you want it extended an additional like two weeks to click this button, you should have clicked this box when you signed up. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And they're like, nope. And I'm like, well, you're never. I told them you're never getting my money again, Netflix. I am never giving you my money. And <laughs> I have never given them money my money since. Oh, so, <laughs> so uh, Disney will get my money. I will. Uh, Disney, it's basically shove and take my money when it comes to the streaming service. Um, I definitely uh, forget Star Wars. Forget like the new Monsters Inc. I want that High School Musical series. <laughs> Shut the game, my High School Musical. All right, man. You'll, you'll, yeah. you'll probably get it then. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I I didn't know that they did that with the Tick. Uh, they may do that with with this Star Wars. Uh, John Favreau produced Star Wars show. There's still a whole lot that we don't know with that. But I just all I know is that they want to make it feel like movie quality. They don't want to make it feel like it comes out. It's like, oh yeah, this, this has a different feel than the films. They don't. They don't want people to have that. They don't. They don't want people to like be, what's the phrase, um, taking out of the scene or something like that. Um, they they but, don't want that. Like dim- they don't want people to feel a diminished like quality level. Right, right. They don't want people. They, they, right. They don't want that that feeling. They don't want the feeling of. Oh, um, you're watching uh, you're you're watching Superman the big screen on Man of Steel. This is let's just give an example. Man of Steel. Then somebody puts on a show. Uh, somebody puts on you know Smallville on TV. You know it's a TV show, and it feels a, as a TV show. Um, but, I don't know um, that that like uh, the the DC like uh, not UPN the DC CW shows. I would say are more pop. I don't think they make as much money, but like on an audience engagement level, I think they're more popular than the movies, like Sans Wonder Woman. Right, like that, right. That Flash TV show, people are just like dying for that still. I haven't really been watching those those shows, but I know they have their own their own fan followings. I do, yeah, that, they do have their own fan following. So I think there's a lot, a big more uh, appreciation for that than the, than the films themselves. Although I will see Aquaman when it comes out. I will see that movie. Um, Jason Momoa. Yeah, oh, man. So. Can't wait to see that one. Well, all right. Uh, DCEU aside, let's bring this full circle. Now we've discussed the uh, lot. We discussed Maul. We discussed live action. Where do you think we'll see Maul next? I think we'll see him in an animated show because... Um, not the new one that's coming out that's more closer to The Force Awakens, but um, probably another one that's, that they have in the uh, that they have planned. Uh, what do you mean by that? I mean, don't they have another, don't they have other uh, animated shows they have planned, or what? Well, uh, very loosely, not even hinted at, just very loosely out in the ether, there's like, there's, there's rumors, but they're the definition of um, loose and, and not furthest thing from concrete. All right. Um, the next. Do so you think? Do so you think we're going to see him in another animated show before we see him in live action? Now that you mention it that way, since there's nothing really planned yet besides that one animated show that we're going to get, probably in a live action. I'm going to have to say because that's the next thing that we've been hearing more about um, than 
another animated show. So I probably think they will probably see him in a show, on a TV show. All right, I, I, I can get behind that. I, think, I wouldn't be surprised that they're in the process of... Re- I, I think Mark is a little bit disagree with me, but I think they're going to try to uh, repurpose a lot of those... All right, they probably had at least an outline or a general idea of what a solo sequel would have looked like. And I'm guessing they're going to try to repurpose those into a TV show. Because the fact that so, Solo did make money in the U.S., not enough to solve any of its problems, but it did make over... It's, like, it's one of the top five highest-grossing uh, films of the summer. It, right. it made money, but it just didn't make Star Wars money. Like Again, if any other movie that had even a normal budget made that... Not worldwide, no. Worldwide, it was, it was a flop. But in the U.S., it made money. And I think I think there's potential still for that character. Like nobody, I I, I don't again. Solo's a weird movie. I don't think anybody disliked Solo. Yeah, I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone who said it was their favorite film. Like every Star Wars film has at least one person that says this is my favorite. I would imagine there's even one person out there that says Attack of the Clones is their favorite film, much to the chagrin of Zenger. But I don't. I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who absolutely is like over the moon about solo and i don't just mean likes like i really enjoyed solo i was shocked at how much i enjoyed that film but i I would never call it my favorite star wars film it's maybe the most fun star wars film and i'd love to see that i I think maybe that's like how mark said like a young indiana jones-esque vibe you could definitely do that but it'd be you'd have to tone it down and i and i don't know how you tone star wars down without making it look cheap Mark, is there a way to tone Star Wars down without making it look cheap? As far as and as far as live action stuff goes, not really. You know, maybe this is going to be one of those things where we actually have to see it for ourselves with our own eyes before you know there's a general general consensus made as far as quality goes. Whoa, 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 Mark! Are you telling me I actually have to look at something objectively and then give my opinion on it? I just can't hate it or love it uh, from the get go. Pretty much, yeah. Mark, come on. We live in the 21st century. You have to love or hate everything. You're not allowed to make an opinion up like after you've like digested something. That's n- no. Get out of here. I know, man. Uh, there's too much. I'm revoking your podcast pass. There's too much outrage culture out there that you know, like, got to tone it down a little. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's gonna be fun to see. Cause I'd like. Uh, I know Ray Park. Uh, has been a real trooper when it comes to all this small stuff. So I think it'd be fun. Like I, if, if they get him, um, I don't. Like obviously they got rid of poor uh, Peter Sapernovit. Oh god, I can't say his name. Peter. Peter. Oh, god. Peter Sa- yeah, good for you, Mark. Thank you. Um, he's funny enough. Make uh, really bring this full circle. He's currently the tick. So there you go. I, I love his voice. It's a shame that it's funny. Even Guardians of the Galaxy didn't do enough with his character. But that's a story for another day. Uh, no, like I said, uh, like Sam Whitworth's in house. Ray Park, I think, is a team player. Plus, I don't think really, Ray, considering how much older Ray Park is getting, I don't think he can do the maneuverability that he once could do. So I would imagine a much more uh, subdued mall is definitely within his wheelhouse. And something I think uh, he probably did do a good job with. It'd be, it'd be fun to see a more subdued mall as opposed to the guy who goes around yelling, Kenoba. I agree. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I agree. He, I I think he uh, will see a more subdued, but he, I guess uh, he, he he he's still out there kicking butt and stuff. You know, what I mean, he's still very active in the martial arts community. So yeah, the, that guy Peter Serafino, which, uh yeah, he's not he's not gonna be on this property on the Star Wars anymore. Uh, he can rest assured, especially after his comments about you know, um, the episode one, but um. Did he really say that? What did he say about episode one? Uh, I, I forgot. Oh, he said something about that. He pretty much threw George. It was years ago. He threw George Lucas under the bus, saying that um, he was he was bored or something, and like um, you know, because they you know, he all he just did was provide the voice, right? Uh yeah, he, yeah. Obviously, Ray Park was the actor. Yeah, Ray Park was the actor, and he just provided the voice, and he said so. You you have to. I'm sure you can Google it, like, you know, just Google uh, Peter Serafinowicz, uh, Star Wars Episode One, you know, Phantom Menace, and you'll, and you'll see, you know, 
articles of like you know him being quoted i mean a lot of it's you know on clickbait sites but still you know he was being quoted about it so yeah there's there's no way they're gonna get that guy that that's probably one of the reasons why uh you know he's not the voice actor of maul in like the clone wars you know and they got you know sam witwer instead um and um and that's probably why sam witwer still voiced he, he did voice him right in in, uh, in solo yeah, I, I yeah, and I I always thought the reason why they did that was because uh, I would imagine Sam Witwer is probably cheaper, and he's already kind of like in-house talent, so you don't have to do probably that much more negotiating contract-wise with him. Yeah, I'm sure he's he's, he's cheaper, but um, I'm sure the other reason also is because you know when when you, you st- when you start throwing Lucasfilm under the bus, especially George Lucas, you're kind of deemed persona non grata. Yeah, like uh, what's his name? Like like um, like like the, like the guy that played Darth Vader. You know, the, the oh, wore the suit of Darth David Vader. Prowse. David Prowse, yeah. But that was because like apparently Lucas was like cutting him out of like profits and stuff. Like like Lucas wasn't giving him money for things. That and then something about of, like his appearance and like some that one uh, that one documentary. Uh, George Lucas versus the, the the world or something like that, or versus the fans or something. Well, no, uh, no, he's uh, versus not, he's, the people. The people no, versus George Lucas. No, he wasn't George in Lucas. that. He wasn't in no? that. No, he wasn't in that. David Prowski's a pretty low profile. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Like the yeah, I, I can see where you're getting at with that. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of people who badmouth Star Wars who, yeah, who, but, who've been in the fold yet can't keep their mouth shut. The higher your profile is, the more you have to be careful. If you're not careful, then the the, the harder the consequence will be. I don't know, maybe. But anyway, the, the long story short, he was he was deemed persona non grata. That's why you don't see him uh, signing at you know Star Wars celebrations and stuff. That's when, yeah. Um, but anyhow, uh, that but coming back to the you know the Peter Serafino guy, that's probably what happened as well. That you know this guy on, on top of you know budget reasons um cost you know of like saving money and stuff you know they uh this is probably another reason why they didn't get him to voice ball in the clone wars or in this here and in, in solo as well you know and sam wayward does a better job in my opinion i think he does he does a great job actually i would say Let's say they make an, another another film with with more dark mall in it or a tv show how would you know Sam Witwer's uh, you know role like how would how would his contract you know be looking like you know by then you know I, I mean is he gonna be making bank or is he I don't think be the so. same? I, I, I think Sam Witwer probably has like a, a general contract for voice acting and probably just he probably I, I don't know specifics but I doubt he if he gets a new contract for each one I wouldn't be I wouldn't be sure maybe if it's like an addendum for each one because he's probably he probably signs a contract for Rebels. And he gets signed another one for like providing the voice in solo, um, probably something like that. Where he probably they probably have kind of like, like a not a blanket contract, but probably something like oh I can understand oh, okay I don't know how to explain this properly, but kind of like an understanding where it's like oh I, I nego- they already negotiate out like his rate and it's just simply like drawing up the papers and paying him his fee. It's not like they're trying to like get Harrison Ford back after the Force Awakens. And it's like, oh, okay, like, like how I uh, very infamously got wrong claiming that uh, Han Solo was going to be in, um, or bookend Solo, a Star Wars story. And, like, something like that. Like, if they wanted, like, Harrison Ford for, like, I don't know, like, like a weekend's worth of work, that would be, like, an insane level of just, like, negotiating. Well, how much time is it going to take? How much does he get paid? Um, I think I think the, the contract negotiations uh, increase in difficulty or decrease based on, like, how uh, famous the person is and how much their their rate is. Like, you already said, Peter Sopernowitz, or whatever his name is. Um, Sopernowitz. Thank you. I'm just gonna, <laughs> every time I say it wrong, I'm just going to take your clip and just very crudely I, I, insert it. I know. It took me a while to learn, and then finally I was like, all right, you know what? I'm, let me pause it here on the credits of The Phantom Menace, and right here where the, Peter's name shows up. Let me make sure I read all the letters carefully. Oh, it's Sopernowitz. Okay, yeah. So, and then that kind of, that just ingrained in me, you know, from then on, so. But anyways, go on, I'm sorry. I, I, I need to do that. I need to sit in front of the TV, just like, or maybe like type it into like Google Translate and like phonetically just keep saying it until I eventually nail it. Hey, I just bought a Pokemon book with like, you know, all the Pokemon names with there and spelled out phonetically as well, so I don't have to mess up anymore. Yeah. 
And plus, you only have to memorize 151 names. Oh, no, it's 807 now, man. Absolutely not. That is wrong. <laughs> Your book is wrong, Mark. Return it. Get the right, get the right book. I'll send you my book with the correct number of Pokemon in it. All right, all right. Even though we kind of deviate a little bit, well, a nice amount from uh, the mall topic. Um, I, think, I think we both agree that Magic 8-Ball says Outlook very good for more mall in the future of Star Wars. Yes, I, I think it will be. I think we're going to see more of him. That doesn't mean that if they were to use, make a new movie or a TV series with the mall character, it doesn't mean that there won't be any contract negotiations where Ray Park may be wanting to you know, demand more money because, you know, this is this is the TV business after all. And the TV business, you don't want to get, you know, actors don't want to get screwed over, you know. And so that's why you have agents and stuff that, you know, handle all this negotiating stuff. But even then, I don't think it will be, he's going to be very expensive. You know, we're not, they're not getting Robert Downey Jr. to be, you know, Darth Maul here. Let's, let's, let's be realistic here. You heard it here first, folks. Robert Downey Jr. is the new wall in the Star Wars universe. Go T and all. All right, yeah. Before we go, we have one integral, super-duper question to answer before we leave. Mark, is there a Lego mall figure with robotic legs? Yes, there is. And I actually do have it. <gasps> I actually have it. Um, now, this is more of the legs, like like the more robotic ones. This is not the more subdued ones that you see later on. I do have it. I bought it at Star Wars Celebration 2017 when I bought like how many how many minifigures did I bought? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nineteen, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Like fourteen minifigures altogether. Actually thirteen. I don't remember the set off my head. I'd have to look it up, but it is from a Clone Wars set. Alrighty, Mark, you ready to wrap this bad boy up? I am ready. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at KOV Podcast. Check out our Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader in the Facebook, and chances are you will find us. If you like what you hear, please rate and review and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at RogueKnight, K-N-I-T-E. And on the Cinemodies podcast, we'll be discussing R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet. Insert P-Joke here. Alrighty, Mark, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, MarkFanPatriot. And yes, I have seen those Trapped in the Closet videos myself in the past. So. All 34 of them? There's 34 now? Yes. Uh, I think I've only seen up to like 22 or so. Maybe there may be more, but oh, he's he's only seen up to 22. What kind of novice, R. Kelly novice, are you, Mark? I don't know, man. I mean, what R. do you Kelly, do with your life? Maybe you spent last time counting past 151 Pokemon. You'd have more time to watch Trapped in the Closet. <laughs> uh, I may have to get into that. Get onto that, man. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more Trapped in the Closet. <laughs> all right, man. I'll, e major I'll get on. all day. Alrighty, Mark. Have a good night. Alright, good night.